the College Planning Edge. Multiply your odds of getting into your dream college and get your hands on thousands of dollars of fat, juicy scholarships. Brought to you by Lockwood College Prep, helping college-bound families get the edge in college admissions, financial aid, scholarships, and test prep. All right, we're getting ready to go live here on College Planning Open Mic Night. Welcome. This is a live streamed, if God and Mark Zuckerberg are willing, two different people, two different entities, I believe. Uh, this is a, a live stream to our Facebook page. This is the first time we're doing this with this technology. It's not our first live stream. And uh, yeah, this is all about your questions, all about your burning college planning questions. So uh, I see a bunch of people coming on. Looks like things are working okay. If you guys can hear uh, and see and all that, please indicate said sight and hearing, audio and visual in the, in the comments there. And uh, that would be very cool. So let me actually, let me, I'm gonna make one little adjustment here. Hopefully this doesn't, if I, if I go off the air, I'm gonna come right back. If this All right, I was that was a minor adjustment to the bandwidth. We had a little issue here. So let me just check chat and see if see if we're back. And while I'm waiting for people to, yeah, good. All right, I see, I see Ann Arnold, some familiar faces and names, I guess. Heidi and Carol Mark. Hello, guys. Hello, Rochelle from Not Cali. And yes, Carrie Taylor, Jennifer Chan. All right, good. So it looks like we're coming in loud and clear. Yeah, I was just making a little, uh, a little bandwidth. I forgot. To, I forgot to go to my Ethernet. In case she had, she had some uh, some dental work today, so she, uh, I didn't want to torture her even more by. Well, actually, what, what would be more painful, the dental work or coming on the broadcast? No comment from Pearl. Okay, so I didn't want to torture her any any further. So this is a little bit different than our, our typical shindigs. This is just you know you you uh, ask your questions, lob them in. Um, I already have a, a, a lot to get me going for uh, for about looks like 15 to 20 minutes or so that were submitted ahead of time. I'm going to give precedent to those. And then um, Pearl, you can just, you know, I just stay, answer whatever you can in chat and anything you can chat. You want to just um, create a, a separate document and then list them for me. And then uh, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll go from there. So, all right, good. So, so welcome. This is a, it's a new thing here. Oh, Rena Stein. Good. Hello, Rena. Nice to see you. Um, Abby's supposed to book something with me. I texted her a couple of days ago, so I don't know. Don't know what's going on there. No, don't know what's going on there. Okay, Michelle from Torrance, California. Tony from New Jersey. Why this instead of Facebook Live from Michelle? Um, that is a good question. So this is Facebook Live, but uh, we didn't do College Talk Tuesday, and I'm not doing the College Coffee Talk on Friday, which is kind of the same type of format as this because we're going away. We're going out of town down to, I believe, sunny Florida, according to the weather, and I uh, wanted to do a night a nighttime uh, kind of College Coffee Talk. And the format is really what we're going to be doing right now. It's just fire away your questions. So, you know, we're not, I'm not, no slides, no presentations, no costumes, just uh, just the mic. And the and the uh, and the camera. So here we go. I am going to get right into the questions. Here we go. First question from I uh, just see the last name. So it's uh, I can't remember her first name. Bonnets. Any recommendations? Any rec Any recommendations for helping the high school junior who has no idea about majors and therefore where to start looking at colleges? Yes. First recommendation is understand that that is common. That is normal. That is fine. Um, I, th I think what this question is about is is about not wanting to waste time and money on college. Meaning, it's very easy to go to college and learn nothing that employers want. So, 
our approach, which you may or may not have heard me yammer about because I do it quite frequently, is we look at this college process as really trying to be more of a means to an end. I, I say the 40 years, not the four years all the time. So in other words, we like to have a, a clue about certain types of majors and fields uh, that, you know, that lead to fields where you can actually make a living. So our process for doing this, and we have our own way of doing it, but you can certainly, uh, a lot of people can, I, I'm sure can do it on their own. I've heard, I've heard feedback from some people and I've heard, I've heard feedback from some people who've kind of pulled this off is we have a combination of one of these objective strength finding assessments, which is scientific or at least quasi scientific. And then we couple that with a, you know, a pretty extensive uh, consultation with our um, career counselor. And the, and the idea is to un, kind of uncover how a kid is wired and then uh, apply that information to different careers and, and, you know, fields where you can actually get off the family's payroll and make a living. How's that for a novel idea? So we, we do things like look at the Bureau of Labor Statistics. And that's a, a great site, I think, to, to look at. You know, the, the real issue is, in theory, college is supposed to prepare you for life after college, right? Um, the problem is that if you, if you think about it, we don't really know what the hot jobs and fields are going to be necessarily in five years. You know, the, we had all these companies created in the last five years, like Uber and uh, maybe, maybe a little long ago, you've got like, you know, a little long ago, you've got like, you know, Facebook and Google and uh, all, all these crazy huge companies, Airbnb, which is, I believe, the um, most, uh, by market cap, the most valuable hotel company in the world, even though it doesn't own any real estate or any hotel rooms. So the idea is, well, you're going to always have to be learning no matter what you go into, but it should, you should be focused on something that matches up your wiring that could lead to something where you, where you could make a living. So Bureau of Labor Statistics, very good um, site to, to check out for fields and majors. Uh, the, the assessment that we use is called the Berkman. That's B-I-R-K-M-A-N. I don't know if that's any better than Myers-Briggs or Colby, K-O-L-B-E, or any of the other assessments floating around. I don't really have an opinion. I'm kind of agnostic on all that stuff because I'm not the career counselor. But um, our, our career counselor, Julie, and the, the people she works with have very strong feelings about which is the right one to use. But that's that's how we start. And then, and only then, after we spend a few days not... Question number two. <clears throat> Um, my daughter is a junior and I've been looking online for a sample of the CSS profile so I can get a head start on the questions I need to answer come this fall. Where can I find a copy of the CSS profile question? That is from Tony Messina. Um, that is on the College Board site, right? Pearl, is there a specific page on there or, is, or a sub URL or something? Uh, well, you'd have to sign in right now. You could view a copy of the 2017-18 one or the 18, one, which may or may not have the question. So, the, so a pearl saying, which is probably inaudible, is that um, this year's profile is, is a little new. Yeah. So we're wondering if next year's will look like this year. I, I think it will. I don't think they're going to change it two years in a row. But um, if you go to the College Board website and you have a College Board username and ID, uh, you should be able to see the current one. Okay. All right. Thank you, Tony. Thank you, Pearl. All right. Dan Maloney. I haven't talked to you in a while. Um, I think, uh, on this too, four years of foreign language is not absolutely necessary. Correct. Um, that is correct. I think most colleges want to see two years, but it's a school by school thing. So double and triple check with your schools and your guidance counselor. So yeah, that's, um, you don't have to force yourself to do more if you're going to be replacing, um, that vacuum with, uh, other valuable courses. Okay. Next question. All right, cool. Uh, this is from Dave Eisenberg. Your child is at the top of their class, 1,400 plus SAT, AP classes, extracurriculars, gets into top schools, but you can't afford them. How do you do this? Put yourself underwater in debt, crush their dreams, and tell them to go to a community college, then transfer after two years, or go to a state school. What good was all this effort in grades if at the end you can't afford to send your children to the college of their dreams? Okay, so... Here's what I think the, um, the the better question is is the better question is is um, who's in the driver's seat? Is it you as as a parent? And I, by the way, this is not me being judgmental at all, but we we have these conversations a lot internally, usually around five thirty six in the morning. Uh, Pearl and me. Um, someday we'll live stream those, uh, and then she'll kill me. But um, uh, you know, it's great that your kid has great grades and scores. 
we have two of our four kids who meet that profile also, <laughs> but we've been brainwashing them or telling them from day one, just because you have these great scores doesn't mean necessarily that it's an entitlement to go to a super expensive school. Furthermore, there doesn't seem to be any scientific or any other correlation uh, between where you go to college and how successful you are. That's, you know, intuitively that may not make sense, but objectively that's, that's at least some, from someone who's studied this for a long time, that's my conclusion. So part of, you know, I don't, I don't think it's a dream crusher. I think it's a reality check. It's a dream crusher. I think it's a reality check um, that you may not have $70,000 a year times four times how many kids you have lying around. Even if you do, we have a lot of clients who do, they just don't think it's worth it to, just, to blow all that money as opposed to taking half of it and funding them when they start their own business or, you know, do, doing something else, you know, a nest egg so they can buy a house or something like that. Um, sometimes kids say, well, you know, I don't want to go to school that I don't deserve to go to, you know, the dummies go to. Chances are you're going to get a huge scholarship if you're a high achieving uh, student. And if grad school is in the picture, it's probably easier to get into a top grad school from a, a quote unquote lesser college where your grade, your GPA is going to be higher and you're more likely to get a lot of money and be able to save that for grad school. So, um, Pearl, you're not with me, but you are with me. I, I, anything you want to add on that quickly? Okay. Pearl agrees with me. So that makes two of us. That means it's right. Okay. Um, all right. Um, all right. Question from Carol Mark. In your opinion, will the University of Michigan negotiate with you if you show them financial offers, all merit-based, from other schools? No. I wish I had a better uh, answer. It's not even my opinion. It's my experience and my um, information from other college planners in other parts of the country. So sorry about that, um, but that's I'd rather be honest. Okay. Um, all right, Julie Yesher, do I need to push my child harder to succeed, to succeed in sports in order to increase his chances of admission in addition to him being an honor student? <clears throat> um, interesting question. So if, if well, I, we have a couple thoughts on that, speaking for Pearl again. Um, in terms of pushing someone in sports, my feeling is, always, and I, I was a Division three athlete, um, my feeling is always that you can't want it more than your kids. So no more than your kids. So no matter how much you push them, it's not going to necessarily get results that you're hoping for if that result is to get recruited. And I'm not sure you're saying that in, in, the, uh, in the question. In terms of how good does it look to an admissions officer to have someone who's you know, participating in sports versus doing other things, I think it's pretty neutral. It's more about how deep they go in something or maybe two things, whether that's sports or academics or music or some other type of performance or some other... It could be dozens of things, probably more than dozens of things. So sports in and of themselves don't really help unless you're a recruited athlete. And to be a recruited athlete, you have to be not only the best on your team, but one of the best in your league, even to play Division III uh, sports. So pushing, I don't know if that's really going to be that, that uh, effective. Um, but again, I'm not positive what your question is. Um, anyone, you know, if you are, um, if, if you have more questions and you don't feel comfortable you know, saying them, uh, or you don't feel comfortable, you know, saying them uh, over the uh, interwebs here. Um, you can still private message me, uh, especially if you have a follow-up question to something that I'm, that I'm answering. I'm just trying to zip through all these things and keep this uh, relatively short to to uh, an hour. That's what I promised in my in my emails. So, um, but if you have anything, any follow-up stuff, just private message me. My follow-up to that is just Pearl has a follow-up. I can't hear you. You have to come over here and shout. Well, just to round out that discussion. From can't hear you. Come on over. Come off camera. Okay. All right. Pearl has some some thoughts. No, just I, I just think you should round out the discussion. Voice of Pearl. <laughs> I think you should round out the discussion. If if the question about the honors student should they be pushed into or should they be rounding out their uh, high school career with some athleticism, you know how how should that student show some color or dimension to their to their profile when they're applying. I think maybe that was what they were getting at. Maybe. You make them stand out. Yep. It's all about going deep in something. The, well, the day the well-rounded student is kind of over, uh, sadly, I think, in my opinion. But who wants my opinion? I'm just trying to get facts. Okay. Um, question from Stacy T. 
Hi, what are your chances that you will get close to the same amount of merit scholarship money, not financial aid, every year that you received freshman year? Do you have to reapply every year? The chances are very high because the merit aid is, is generally tied to achieving minimum GPA. So if provided that you, you hit that minimum academic requirement, you shouldn't have a problem at all. That's generally uh, language that is in the merit scholarship offers. If you're just joining us, uh, to see a lot of people coming on here. This this is fun. This is cool. We like we like doing this a lot. Um, uh, and you have any questions? Pop them in to the further clarification. Once I get through the questions that were pre-submitted uh, this afternoon and yesterday, then I'll I'll wrap up with everyone else's questions. But there's really that's it. That's the whole agenda. Nothing fancy. No slides. No costumes. No um, no presentations. Nothing to buy. Just uh, just questions. So. Um, it's, it's, you know, I, I do these normally, these, this type of format every Friday morning at 9 a.m., but we're going to be out of town this Friday heading down to Florida. And um, it's just, uh, uh, I thought I would do a night one. So if, if, if you guys like this format, we'll, we'll do these more regularly. Okay. Question from Alicia Grossman. My son got into Cornell. Very cool. That's Pearl's alma mater. She's very proud. Um, he's gotten into other schools as well. Cornell's a stretch. He was accepted into Binghamton Freshman Research Immersion Program. That's a great program. Uh, I'm torn as of now. He wants pre-med, orthopedic surgery. I understand where you go. Undergrad is not important if you're going to be professional. Of course, he could change his mind. Is Cornell so of course he could change his mind? Is Cornell so much more prestigious and will it open more doors for him than other schools that may not? Um, and then there's some other stuff that's probably a little personal here. So. Um, my feeling is the, uh, <laughs> I would go to Binghamton. That's like the research immersion thing is a terrific program. And yes, he could change his mind and his major and Cornell is great. Uh, but so is Binghamton. And again, there's no objective scientific statistical, you know, I don't know. I've, I've I read this stuff. I, I honestly stopped reading articles like this, um, as religiously as I used to, but there's, there's really no proof, reasonable proof that going to a Cornell at $65,000 a year is going to be better than going to Binghamton at $25,000 a year, $30,000 a year times $420,000. I don't think Cornell is $120,000 better than Binghamton, particularly when you're talking about a probability of grad school. Even if you weren't, I still grad school. Even if you weren't, I still am not sure. Binghamton is, um, for those of you who are out of, out of state, it's our flagship state school. Uh, and it's it's terrific. It, it really it really is. So um, I would I personally, and I think Pearl would also would go for the Binghamton. Wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly says without Pearl, knocking my alma without knocking her alma mater or her heart. Mm -hmm. um, all right. Question from Michelle Wolfson: As a, as multiple admissions officers come in by April first, how do we even choose which college to attend? We have four amazing schools that could fit into our financial ballpark? Are there any metrics or outcomes we should be looking at? There's all a gut feel. Uh, and then she gives some more, more examples. I know it's a long question and it's a huge decision. Thanks in advance. You are Mishi. That's funny. Um, the, my, my answer is it's, it's really, there's probably some objective data, but at the end of the day, you're, you're gonna make a decision that's not based necessarily on um, rational, rational data because a lot of it kind of looks the same. Um, my, my best guess or my best advice for doing that is, you know, obviously visiting all, all four schools, but at, at these schools, I would speak to department heads and career centers and ask them a series of questions that have to do with, if I come here, what am I going to get out of this? And then just shut up. And that's not the, I wouldn't use that uh, verbiage, but I, I think that that's what you want to ask about our outcomes. And after you talk to two or three or four department heads of whatever you're thinking about majoring in, after you talk to the same amount of career center people, I think you will start to, long before that, I think you will start to, to develop a feel with how much support they're going to give you and, and, and your son or daughter. Um, talk to upperclassmen, you know, that, that could be helpful. Also, admissions people, you know, they can be helpful, but they're all, they also have a different agenda. I think a lot of times the department heads don't really, they're not really salesy at all. And sometimes they reveal the most damaging times they reveal the most damaging confession type information. So that's, that's, that's how I would do it. Hope that helps you. Mishi. Okay. Um, or is it Mishi? Let me go with Mishi. All right. Next question from David Vu. What is the weighted percentage that college admissions officers look for 
weighted GPA versus non-weighted GPA, SAT, ACT, and extracurricular. So here it is in a nutshell, and this answer is coming uh, not really from me. I'm sort of channeling my um, uh, a mentor of mine, uh, Don Betterton, who's on the admissions committee at Princeton for 30 years, and I've had I don't know, over the years, probably three or four conversations where I've asked this type of, of question. The best guess for people in the know like that is that grades and scores and rigor, meaning how many APs you've taken, are 60% at a really competitive college, 60, six zero. And then the other 40% is, is includes extracurriculars, but it also includes stuff that you can't control like whether you're an international student or whether you're an underrepresented minority or a legacy or an athletic recruit and so on and so forth. So it's about 60, 40 academic to non-academic factors. And within those non-academic factors, you can, there's stuff you can control, uh, good extracurriculars versus bad extracurriculars or, or neutral, there's really no bad extracurriculars, but a good extracurricular is one where you've gone deep and you've shown leadership and it's not the same type of stuff that every other kid does. We call it, you know, being uh, atypical and atypical student activity. And we say engage in consistent atypical student activities or CASA, C-A-S-A, C-A-S-A, consistent, not, not just junior year, but consistent atypical student activities. And that type of thing resonates with clients, uh, with uh, clients, but also, also admissions officers. Okay, here's an email that doesn't belong in my pile. Since something I bought. Okay. <laughs> now, I told you this was open mic, unscripted. All right. Now, question from Pam Hartnett. Our high school requires only two years of foreign language. Okay, yeah, I knew someone else asked me this. What do you recommend for a kid who wants to go into business or engineering? For each year, he doesn't take a language. He'll be able to take math and science-related electives. Thank you. Um, you know, again, it's a, it's a, you know, it, it's, it's, it can help to take a language if you want to go into international business, for example. But um, I think that you want to go deep in something. Uh, I don't know what grade your kid is in. Seems I'm guessing uh, maybe freshman or or sophomore. Um, but yeah, I would I would max out the stuff that you're really interested in, and then go deeper maybe outside of school at, at some point if that's all that's left. So if, if they um, are very interested in business or engineering, I would try to take as many of those courses as possible. Not all, so electives are great, but an AP in a core class, which could include a language and uh, an English and a math and a, a science. Those are the four, I guess, the four cores. Th those are the most impressive. Okay. How are you doing in chat, Pearl? Okay. Not ready for you yet. That was just a little placeholder. Okay. And if you're just joining us, pop your questions in the comment section. And um, I'm right now, I'm sort of halfway through, I think, the questions that were submitted ahead of time. And then Pearl is um, zipping around and answering some stuff, and she's saving some other stuff for me. Okay. All right. Question from Marnie. How do you know which schools give the most in merit money? Well, um, I mean, my, my flippant answer is because, you know, that's what I do for a living. But I think the, I think the question is, how does one know which schools give the most in merit money? <laughs> um, so I'll give you a rule of thumb because uh, because uh, there, is, there isn't like some published list. I, I wish there was one. But in general, private schools are more likely to give merit money than public schools. Any college that you're in the top 25 percent in grades and scores when you look at last year's admitted class, so if you know the average GPA was X and the average ACT score was Y, and you know that they admitted you know 5,000 kids, you can kind of figure out um, you know where you fall in compared to last year's cohort. And then if you're in the top 25% of that, you have a very good shot at getting money. Um, a lot of state schools are starting to loosen the purse strings a little bit to attract out-of-state um, people with 10 to $15,000 type of merit money offers. So schools that we um, have seen um, that, that give merit from that are state schools uh, recently, I'd say um, Delaware, uh, University of Vermont, um, what else? South Carolina gives some merit money. Um, Ohio State gives some merit money. Ohio State gives some merit money. Michigan does not, uh, unfortunately. Um, schools that have a harder time attracting kids from your district are more likely to give merit money also as opposed to the schools that have an abundance of, of candidates. That's a, just a general rule. Um, University of Vermont, I don't know if I said that, uh, the Catamounts. 
uh, they they um they, they give a little bit of money also. So there you go. Okay. Next question. Um from John Tarrant. Uh nothing burning. I too am in IEC. Oh, counselor. Okay. Uh college advisor. Hello, John. And uh do I to all I can do to remain informed. I enjoyed your presentations and like your style. Okay, cool. Thank you. Appreciate that. Um Denise Keller, hi, I have a kid going to college in a few months, already committed, and another one going in three years. What's the deal with the 529 plan? Should I use both now for my daughter? I keep hearing that I should use them up now and not wait to use for now and not wait to use for my son. It's not a ton of money, so just not sure what the, what's the best thing to do. Um, it may or may not be a good idea to uh, to use all of the money up front. Um, it, it, what, it, what that will do, though, is improve your eligibility for future years. So from that standpoint, it makes sense. Um, but you have to look at all the options on the table, too, between you know loans and other sources and home equity lines and whatever. I mean, if you're, if you're 529, I'm not a financial advisor, but if I would say that if you're 529, we're performing really well right now. I'd be reluctant to pull money out of it when you can you know, maybe do a cheap home equity line or, or something like that. I don't know. But um, if you are going to qualify for need-based aid, especially when you have two kids in college, it would make sense to wipe out all the assets that get counted against you when you file for financial aid. And the 529 is one of those assets. It's not a, you know, the 529, the thing about that is it's not a question of whether or not it penalizes you, it's how much. So it can either penalize you a little bit or can, it can either penalize you a little bit or can penalize you a ton. So it's, it's kind of a hard question to answer, but I just walked you through the issue. So I hope that helps. Okay. Um, question from Jeannie, Jeannie from college, Jeannie from Westland, Jeannie Tung. What should my high school junior do this summer? Uh, in, should she do the same camp that she's done for the past five years? Or should I push her to do something more challenging like get a job, all caps? Um, or should she do a language program ab abroad or study for the SAT, ACT? Okay, so um, Jeannie was in the office uh, a couple weeks ago, I think. Jeannie, I just, I don't know, I emailed you today, I don't know, or yesterday, I don't know if you got that. Um, my, my answer is that, you know, the, the, some programs are not that impressive. You don't have to qualify to get into them. They're sort of pay to play. And I don't know which, you know, which ones you're talking about here, but th that, that would be the type of program that um, I, would I would stay away from, the more expensive ones that tend to be available to anyone. Um, I, I'm to anyone. Um, I, I'm getting a job is actually a great idea because, um, you know, you should get a job. Uh, and also, um, it's gonna. It looks good for colleges. Colleges like kids who work, because you know, frankly, not every kid has a job and shows responsibility that way. So, so that's a good thing too. Um, you can, as a, if she's a, I think she's gonna be a rise. Raina is gonna be a rising junior, so she's a, she's gonna be in between her sophomore and junior years, and that's the ideal time to study for prep to start that over the summer. Uh, and it doesn't really matter if you're studying the SAT or the ACT as long as you're studying for for something. But I would suggest you take a hybrid ACT slash SAT test and then see how you do and then focus on one, at least for a couple of, of tests in the fall and uh, maybe in the spring of junior year. So any prep you do, um, you know, Pearl, actually, you and I were talking about this a couple of days ago. Um, our son, Harry, who, who, I, who I actually he and I talked about this today. Um, Last summer, he's a junior now. He did better on that than he did on the ACT. But he said, you know, I, he told me this morning, he goes, you know, I actually used a lot of stuff that I, I learned in the ACT class on the PSAT. So he felt like that helped him. And that, that's the feedback I get. Because it's all, you know, you're, you're all, all, both test, test how much you know, you know, how much you're ostensibly. So just start the test prep somewhere. I think that's important, but not, it's not a full-time thing. It could be like a, you know, four hour, eight hour a week thing at most. And then fill it up, fill the rest of your son with a combination of fun and productive stuff. So the music stuff, going deep in something that, you know, you're really interested in, that is great. Um, you know, there are there are programs that are not expensive and they're more meaningful. You just have to do a little bit of searching around. And, you know, of course, um, that's the type of thing that, um, you know, if assuming we end up working to anyone who works with me that gets that, that type of advice uh, specifically. But generally speaking, you, you absolutely... Um, don't have to spend a fortune, spend a fortune in order to do something that looks good for college. In fact, that might have the opposite effect. Alrighty. <clears throat> Almost done here with the pre-submitted questions. All right, question from Evan Goldman. Pearl is giggling because she's, like I, uh, always think about the show 13, 
which I'm guessing most people on this webinar, uh, this live stream have not seen, but um, Evan Goldman is the lead character. Are you going to sing it or not? No, but I, I believe Evan Goldman actually has a... You've talked to him about it? Student, I, I'm sorry, a child who's into performing arts that he's, knows about it. He's got a child who knows about 13. You're the man, Evan Goldman. Yeah. Okay, I remember that part. Okay, so, and, and there's a question too. So maybe maybe I'll, maybe I'll get to that. Uh, what are the best strategies? Oh, good question. What are the best? I mean, they're all good questions. What are the best strategies to use when, use when negotiating for additional financial aid after the initial offer? Okay. So I'm going to give you, um, he, uh, Evan's a forms prep client. You know, okay. So, so first of all, we're going to be doing this for you because that's part of our services. Um, second of all, there's really a couple different types of arguments to proffer to the uh, to the financial aid office or the scholarship office. Um, in terms of for scholarships, it really helps if you can say you're my top choice school, but you didn't give me enough money, and I did get these offers from other schools that were be copies attached. I do this in writing that were being forced to consider only for uh, financial reasons. That is a great argument to make for scholarships if, if you're trying to get more of those. Need-based aid, you can still say that also we got these other offers from other, if, if that's the case, from other schools. Or you can tell them about new information that they don't know, that they that are not on the financial aid, that are not on the financial aid forms. Typically that means expenses, because there's very little, very few questions about expenses on the financial aid forms. So those expenses have to be extraordinary, though. They can't just be. Um, you know, we live in a very expensive area, you know, duh, they know. They see your zip code. That's not new to them. New information could be, I know we look one way on paper. You saw my tax returns from 2016, but 17 was a god-awful year, and my income was cut in half because of X, Y, and Z. That's new information that they don't know about. That could trigger a, um, a another review and possible adjustment for need-based aid. Another type uh, related um you know, type of uh, type of argument could be, I know that you know, we look one way on paper with our income, but we have so many extraordinary expenses that you would never know about, including uh, unreimbursed medical expenses, or including you know um, stuff related to um, stuff related to getting divorced and, and legal expenses, you know, or uh, hurricane or natural disaster related expenses, th that type of stuff, the catastrophic types of factors, th those can be used if you are, if they affect your ability to pay for college. Financial aid is all about your resources that you have available to afford college. So if there's anything that, you know, that, that uh, detracts from that ability to pay for college that, that they don't know about, that is important information. Now, that being said, there's a lot of bad examples. So I gave one, you know, we live in an expensive area, our property taxes are high. Okay, they know that. Another one could be, well, we have kids in private school and um, you know, we have very high expenses that way. And most colleges will be like, okay, that's your choice. The only colleges that I, some colleges that I can think of that like that, that ask about, so, so this wouldn't be new information because they would ask about it on the CSS profile financial aid form are the Jesuit, are the Jesuit, a lot of Jesuit colleges want to know if you're, if you're spending money sending your kid to a Jesuit secondary school um, because it shows that you're committed to, you know, that, that type of philosophy. So um, those, that's really the main thing. It's either um, another offer from another school, uh, expenses they don't know about, or a drop in income or something that bears on your ability to earn money that's also not on the form. So those are the three big types of um, arguments to make. And I always do everything in writing. Frequently colleges have forms that they want you to fill out. I don't recommend calling them first other than just to say, hey, I was wondering if you could tell me about, you know, what, what the what my eligibility was. I didn't get an offer from you. Um, I had a, a, an exchange with a client um, last week or so when his, um, his, his son, who has pretty high uh, standardized test scores, but the GPA is not is, is not is not that high in, in, uh, in, in proportion to the to the ACT score. Um, he got, um, he got into a, a good school but didn't meet the criteria for a merit scholarship. So, um, so the, the, I said, well, why don't you just call up and see that what they can tell you about their criteria, even though I, you know, I know, I know that his GPA, and we all knew that his GPA was below it. 
And so the school, uh, the admissions officer said something like, um, yeah, he doesn't fit into our box, so we don't have any money for him. So, so the dad asked me, is that, is that it? Is that the end of the road? I said, well, yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's at their discretion. Uh, and the response I got was, well, you know, I'm very disappointed. Uh, I wish you could do more for us <laughs> to, to me. And I'm like, you know, I didn't take his, uh, I didn't, you know, what do you want me to do is, um, do his papers for him in high school or, you know, do his great. I mean, there's, you know, you can, you can try to negotiate, but not, you can't get blood from a stone either, but, but always try. It's always, it's always worth exploring as long as you haven't done anything kind of like, you know, weird um, on the, on the financial aid forms. Um, um, I have a horror story about that, but I don't know if we have time for that. All right. So I think that is it for the pre-existing questions. Um, Pearl, do you have any, any things you want to shout out to me? Uh, sure. Question wise. Yes. Just any type of shouting or do you, did you just do a document or. I did a document. Okay, so what is the document? All right, let me just log on to that. Um, with, and you shared it with my private email? No, but I can't. Well, okay. Tell me where you shared it. It's for Okay, I'm going into our email as we speak because this is exciting. So it's in our Google Drive. And I'm going to find it. Yeah, while you're doing, while I'm doing that, shout out the first one. Okay, Michelle Hornstein, I don't know if you answered this, are three plus three programs a good thing? All right, Michelle Hornstein, three, three plus three programs. So that's three years, uh, here we go, I got it. Three years of um, undergrad, three years of grad school. Um, and there's variations on that. There's stuff for medical school, there's stuff for, you know, other things. Um, yeah, I, I, um, when a kid is really super sure that they're committed to doing that type of um, uh, that type of path, career path, I think they're great. Um, the irony, I think, a lot of times, particularly with the the medical school programs, the combined um, BA and MD programs, I, th I think the main allure of those programs is that you're guaranteed admission into a medical school and you won't have to take an, uh, an MCAT. I think the three plus three, you know, types of uh, programs work the same way. I see those with like uh, physical therapy and nursing, that, that type of thing. Um, but I, I think the irony is that the kids who get into those, 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 those to cut down extra help uh, or they don't need to avoid taking the grad school admissions test like the MCAT or, or whatever. So, you know, I don't, I don't know how much they really help. And then when you throw in the uncertainty of, is this really what I want to do with the rest of my life? I think you have to think twice at least about those programs, but barring that, I think, I think they are great. You know, I think they're super, I think they're a way to cut down on your total outlay, your total you know, cost to, to get that type of degree. So I'm, I'm definitely a fan of those schools, of those uh, programs. Okay. So I should go from the bottom here. So, um, I guess Michelle also, I should go from the bottom, right, bro? No, go, go for the top. Okay. All right, Barb. Barb Mitchell, I have lots of puzzle pieces that are floating out there. When would they all start to fit together? <laughs> now, are you talking about life puzzle or college puzzle? What? Yeah. Um, Barb, um, Barb, it's going to fall. It's going to come together. That's all I can tell you. I can't give you an exact date, like um, uh, March 17th. St. Patrick's Day, 2019, maybe, depending on how much you've had to drink. I think a lot of things will look different then. <laughs> but but um, now you're uh, you're getting there. You're doing all the right things. So uh, just trust the process. There'll be there. All I can tell you is there will be many twists and turns, and then uh, gradually it'll it'll all this crap that's floating out there will, will eventually funnel into something that is a plan. So keep keep it up, and and faith is doing everything right. So. So you have nothing to worry about. Trust me. Okay. Uh, Rochelle, uh, Jeff Salingo, Life After College. Uh, awesome book. Suggests going to school where you want to work because of networking perks. Other suggestions are going somewhere geographically different. So you really stretch yourself out and learn more with different culture, et cetera. Your opinion. Yeah. I mean, I, th I think sometimes those are mutually exclusive things, though, because if you want to work, they're mutually exclusive things, though, because if you want to work, you know, kind of where you grew up, um, like in the New York area or the, you know, San Francisco area or, or whatever, and you go away, it might be a little harder to, um, you know, to end up 
back home with the networking and all that. But yeah, I think I, uh, I read that book. He, um, he's one of my um, favorite college guys. Um, and I think that um, it does make sense in general to be, you know, to be nearer, not necessarily in, but nearer a city for the internship opportunities. I think that's, I think where you intern is as important as where you go to college, frankly. They're, sometimes they're related, sometimes they're not. Um, it's a lot easier to intern if you're at a school near a city. It's not impossible to, in, to get a good internship if you're at a different type of school. It's just harder in general as a rule of thumb. So, yeah, that's a, um, I recommend anything that he writes, Jeff Salengo. Do you know what college he went to? I do. Rochelle, if you know that, put it in put it in comments. Don't cheat, okay? No one, no one. You're not gonna get any. You're just cheating yourself. No one. You're not gonna get any. You're just cheating yourself if you look it up on uh, in Wikipedia or something. All right. Um, put on the glasses. <clears throat> Michelle Mabel, fake name. Uh, from Beatles. Our child is taking the hardest classes, ABIB, now finding out top-tier schools aren't taking more than 12 to 18 out of 27 possible college credits. Thoughts? Yeah. The the thing is about the, those classes is that the rigor component is, um, is, is valued in terms of getting into college. But whether they're going to say, oh, you don't need to pay us as much because we're going to give you credit for taking these classes, that is a different matter whatsoever. And a lot of schools from Ivies on down are starting to back away from um, giving kids college credits that they had uh, earned either by taking an AP or performing well on an AP exam and same thing with IB. So two different things. And um, I think it has to do with the money grab. And um, I think it has to do with the money grab. You know, colleges need money. That's my cynical view of that. All right. Um, Michelle Hornstein, do Drexel, Fordham, Miami of Ohio or Penn State, are they worth negotiating with? Um, on that list, I would say you're less likely to get anything from Miami of Ohio or Penn State, but the other two, you got a shot. Um, but I would, it's, you know, is it worth negotiating? It's worth trying, definitely. But the, the big state schools are much harder. Uh, Jennifer Chan. Hello, Jennifer. How do we get college to pay for room and board? <laughs> a couple things. One is, you know, need-based financially, which I'm not sure you, you qualify for. Um, they, that cover, that is based on the total cost of attendance, tuition plus room and board. So indirectly, that could get paid for, um, it, for many students. Other than that, um, be an RA, be a resident advisor sophomore year. That's something that I talked about with my son who's in college right now. I, I haven't mentioned it to him recently. Most, to him recently. Most of my texts to him are just like making fun of him or sarcastic comments about the Olympics or, you know, something like that. Um, I texted him tonight, actually, Pearl. I said, I was, I was amusing myself. Uh, he usually ignores me. Oh, today, <laughs> today I told him what, one of his friends is, uh, is a cashier at the local uh, supermarket. I always, always rag. I just harassed the, the heck out of this kid, um, which my son appreciates, even though he's uh, three hours away. So <laughs> I took, <laughs> that's my relationship. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, okay, so anything else that I am missing here? You gave me another new one at the bottom. Lisa Davis, is it worth to pay for dual enrollment credits? I, I think it is. Just be careful. You know, I'm sure that's, that was prompted by what I just um, uh, admonished about is that you definitely want to make sure to make sure that those credits are going to be accepted by most of the colleges that you apply to, and you can actually make an, an appointment with the um, admissions people at the, the second college, you know, or the, really the first college, but uh, if you're doing dual enrollment, you've got high school, you're taking classes at a local community college, which is technically college one. You wanna see if you're gonna apply to another like six or seven or eight or 12 four-year colleges, you need to get a hold of uh, the, that information before you apply so that you, instead of, you know, your, your uh, supposition that you're applying as a sophomore, you don't wanna, or, or maybe possibly a junior, you don't want to be blindsided uh, when it's too late. So definitely, it's all ascertainable. You just have to do a little bit of rolling up your sleeves and do some work. Okay, Pearl, I see some more stuff yeah. coming in from you. All right, Tony Lopresti, how negotiable is NYU if you need financial aid? Sadly, really crappy. Sadly, really crappy. They are really stingy. With had, We've had exceptions but those have been shocking. So they are one of the worst with need-based financial aid. If they want you badly enough for merit, that's a different story. 
but they're they're bastards. I mean, they're really they're really not nice at NYU. So, um, sorry. Uh, okay, um, Rochelle, you were the one who recommended the Solingo book. That is funny. Um, that's why I like I. You know what? I love when I agree with myself. At least I didn't contradict. How funny would it have been if I was like, "Don't read that guy. He's a loser." Um, yeah, just listen to me. <laughs> but yeah, okay. So that is funny. Um, and Frank Bruna, yeah, that is such a great book too. Where Where you go is not who you'll be. He is a great writer. I mean, he's a um, very ultra liberal and kind of doctrinaire guy when he writes about politics and Trump and that type of stuff, which is really not my cup of tea. I'm just not a doctrinaire guy at all. All right, let me just pop back over to the webinar, the webinar, as I say. I think, um, what else we got here? Stingy, NYU, people agree with me. Yeah. So who else is here? I see Laura Fuller. Hello. Big John McCabe, Pearl Chisner Lockwood. Uh, you joined. Uh, the Quinlans, one of them, probably not Greg. I'm guessing it was Anne. Uh, Sella Cronk. All right, good. Nice. Heidi. Loyal Heidi. Heidi, who looked very blotchy from Sun, last photo I saw of her. Her and Kristen needed some tanning help. <sighs> anyway, okay, so I think that is good. I think that's good for now. Anyone, uh, last call for questions. I'll take a sip of water. I'll just say hello to Oh, you know what's funny last time? So so we, every once in a while we have someone on these, these webinars named Alexa, and when I say the name, anyone who has uh, one of those Amazon Echoes, apparently I triggered that. So hello, Alexa, Alexa, Alexa. Alexa, please buy every one of Andy Lockwood's books on Amazon. I'm, I'm just, that's, come on, that's a new joke. Not funny, bro? Yes, funny joke. Thanks. Um, by the way, I did a presentation, um, I don't know if any of you guys were there, but I did a presentation in, uh, in the city, New York City, last week, and I got a really complaining, negative email about how awful and politically incorrect I was. <laughs> and it was, first I was mad, but then I was like, God, this is great, because it just shows that she was paying attention to me. So she didn't like a bunch of the jokes I'd made that, you know, like, if you're a white guy, it's harder to get into college. You know, but I'm not racist because I happen to like white like white people. You know, j just jokes like that. She didn't think were uh, appropriate. Uh, which they're definitely. I was running them by my mom this morning actually, <laughs> and she, you know, she didn't exactly say that they were tasteful, but she did say that they were like, you know, little funny and what's what's the big deal? She's usually the the biggest critic. So I thought that was really funny. Um, that that I was I'm almost I was almost banned. I don't think I'm coming back. But the the conversation I had at the end with the person who invited me was, yeah, when, when can we do this again? Uh, I want to book you for next year. I'm like, great. And then they got this email, and <laughs> the next day, and I uh, haven't heard much about my open invitation since then. Uh, but ironically, um, one person who was there scouting me, she's a PTA head at a um, uh, another uh, another high school in the city who happens to have been an African-American woman, uh, just for what that's worth, she said uh, she made a beeline for me afterward and, and she wants to book me. So interesting. So a little food for thought. All right, Pearl, is there anything else I need to address? Is there anything else I need to address before we, um, before we uh, go back to our lives, our glamorous lifestyle? I think we're all caught up. Oh, look at that, Pamela Van Dam, Pam PVD. Yeah, she said, oh, PVD said hi. Yeah, you gave a shout-out to PVD. That's nice. Joanne, uh, good. Yeah, we're trying to get together, right, Joanne Abosh? Uh, here's one from Nadia. Okay, is junior year too late to start volunteer work, Is it or is it better to leave it off? No, I, I, I wouldn't, um, wouldn't not do it. It's just not going – I wouldn't focus on it and all of a sudden build your whole, you know – your college application around it because you just started doing it, but it's great. De definitely do whatever you can. I mean, our own son is a junior. He's done some stuff that's very cool. He's done other stuff that's not. He dabbles, you know, but he's, we're not telling him not to do stuff. We're just, you know, I just want him to do a little bit more of the stuff he's really good at, which, which I think he's doing for, for the most part. All right, Michelle, you're welcome. Nadia, that was, that was your question. Uh, question. Uh, Jennifer Chan. It's also hard for Asians to get into college too. Yeah, well, that was my whole point. The um, the thing is, is that I said, you know, if you're playing a white guy, or that substitute, you know, your 
your minority group of choice, you know, Asian, Jewish, you know, whatever, it's just harder to, to get in. I'm sorry. Um, it's not like you're penalized. It's just that you're not as desirable as someone who's not in one of the uh, overly represented groups. That, that was really my point. But I, I could have expressed it in different non-humorous ways. I just try to make this entertaining. So that's that's my goal, informative and entertaining. All right. I'm going to sign off. Dan, you're welcome. If anyone has any questions, private message me. I see a few of those uh, little red flaggies coming in. And please like the page. Please um, share this with any of your friends who are stressed out about college costs. We're just trying to expand our reach and help people more. Not doing a lot of one-on-one -on -one free consultations anymore because it got too overwhelming. We're almost because it got too overwhelming. We're almost by referral only at, at this point. But I will. I probably I still love doing these uh, these group freebies. And I'll do them as long as people show up and, uh, and have questions like you guys did, even if people ask me the same thing over and over again, which it feels like sometimes that just means that either um, I'm slurring my words or they're, they're, they just need to hear it again or they're new people or some combination. Um, you know, sometimes you need to hear the same thing because the best sort of description I've ever heard was life is sort of like a spiraling uh, spiral staircase. So you go around, then you're a different perspective. Then you go around again and you're at another one. And even if you hear the exact same thing, you're going to interpret it differently. So you're always welcome to come on uh, no matter what part of the staircase you're on. And, uh, and thanks a lot for, uh, for joining us and, uh, and spreading our information like a rash and just private message me if there was uh, anything that came up that you want uh, a little bit more explanation or clarity or you have questions or whatever or explanation or clarity or you have questions or whatever. Okay, signing off. Pearl, any last minute things from you? Happy Valentine's. Happy pre-Valentine's Day from my Valentine Pearl, who has already received lovely flowers in advance. Thank you very much. All right, cool. All right, we're going to sign off now. Talk to you later. Hi, this is Andy Lockwood. Don't forget to visit our website, lockwoodcollegeprep.com for some more free, valuable information on how you can multiply your chances of admission to your dream colleges and qualify, qualify for thousands or tens of thousands of dollars of fat, juicy scholarships along the way. Visit LockwoodCollegePrep.com for information on our free upcoming workshops and webinars and to download a copy of our number one best-selling book, How to Pay Wholesale for College. That's LockwoodCollegePrep.com. Bye-bye.